We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Most Tuesdays are just Tuesdays, except at Buffalo Wild Wings, where Tuesdays are Wing Tuesdays. But now even Wing Tuesdays aren't just Wing Tuesdays, because Wing Tuesdays are half-price Wing Tuesdays, which means your boring Tuesday that became Wing Tuesday now costs you half as much. In case you're confused, we have half-price Wing Tuesdays. We do it for you. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. Prices and participation vary. See participating locations for details. Void were prohibited. Part of what makes this podcast so special is the ability to talk to you about the things that are important to you. You can help me do that by telling me more about you. Just log on to www.mylistenerstudy.com to take a short survey about who you are and what you're listening to, how you listen, and you'll even have a chance to win a Google Chromecast. Don't worry, the survey should only take a couple minutes. It's completely anonymous. We just want to learn a little more about you so we can make your listening experience even better. That's listenerstudy.com. And if you're feeling lucky, enter to win that Google Chromecast. Just visit mylistenerstudy.com. Thanks for your help. 
All right, let's get it going. Welcome to the Road to Wire Basketball Podcast presented by DraftKings.com. DraftKings, of course, is the leader in daily fantasy sports. You can use the promo code ROTOHOOPS when you deposit on DraftKings. That'll get you a free contest entry today. Thursday, April 7th, Nick Whalen joined, as always, on Thursdays by RotoWire's own James Anderson. Uh, do we want to get right into it right away and just start talking what everybody wants to hear about the Minnesota Timberwolves? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they obviously had that, that big win against the Warriors. That's not really <clears throat> the impetus for this. I I was just watching that game, and it was the first time I'd watched the T-Wolves in a while, and I kind of noticed uh, some of their players were playing quite a bit better than they had in you know the last couple times I'd seen them, uh, specifically Shabazz Muhammad and Tyus Jones. And I just wanted to get your take, you know, assuming they get – a top five, top six pick, what what their upside is for next year, wins, losses, what like the ideal uh, starting five would be, can they move Ricky Rubio, should they move Ricky Rubio, is Carl Anthony Towns going to be like a stealth first team all NBA candidate next year, like what, what do you see from Minnesota in, in the 2016-17 season? I I see they have to improve, right? I mean, getting Towns this year, um, you know, bringing Wiggins back. I think I mean they're going to finish with what probably twenty eight, twenty nine wins at best, and I think that's somewhat of a disappointment. You know, it's a, it's an improvement certainly over where they were last year, but um, you know we we harp quite a bit on the fact that rookies often don't help your bottom line. You know, from a wins losses perspective, but I think the trajectory that Carl Towns is on, I think by year two he's going to be a player that you know eliminates a lot of the mistakes that, that we've seen for him especially in the early part of the season and and becomes extremely extremely productive for them and you know I think the key though is Wiggins right I mean this is a guy who for most of this season has kind of plateaued he played well the other night against Golden State um, but still not really not really improved as a playmaker his rebounding numbers have kind of stagnated and and maybe part of that is just giving up some of the workload to Carl Towns and you know I think if you're a Minnesota fan you're certainly not complaining uh, about the way things have gone, especially with Towns' development, but you know all these guys are taking another step forward. I, I think it's a couple people throughout the. It might have been Bill Simmons actually, kind of like this feels like the the 2008 Oklahoma City Thunder. You know when when things started to kind of turn around for them. I, I think they they made a charge for the eight seed one year and and they they ended up losing, but it was one of those. Okay, you know next year this is a team that isn't an up and coming team anymore. You know, they're, they're kind of here to stay as, you know, one of the, maybe not title contenders right away. I think that's way too premature, obviously for, for the Timberwolves, but I mean, is the seventh or eighth seed of a very much realistic possibility for them next year? I think it has to be. And you know, if, if you get Andrew Wiggins play like second half, Andrew Wiggins, as opposed to first half, Andrew Wiggins and, you get a shooting guard, preferably in the draft, and in, in the form of maybe Jamal Murray or Buddy Heald. And I think they'd be they'd be best off trying to find a way to move Ricky Rubio this off season. I don't know if the the right package is out there for that. I kind of brought this up at with someone at Hoops last night, and you know. His contract is kind of terrible, like relative to when he signed it, but it's not gonna be all that bad. In when we start seeing what guys get paid in this this off season, so 
it's probably fairly movable, I think, as long as you're not asking for Chris Middleton back. You could probably get, you know, at least like a, a rotation piece back. Because to me, I think this team has the highest ceiling when, when Zach Levine's running the point. And I, I just I think you're kind of wasting some of what he does and, and the mismatches he can cause when you have him at the two. And you can, you know, in theory, say they were to get like Buddy Heald, you could have a, a pretty dynamic starting five with four shooters, three ridiculous athletes in transition, and, you know, Gorgie Jang kind of being that, that rock on defense. I mean, I think that that would be pretty interesting. And in, in that scenario where they, they do upgrade shooting guard and are able to move Zach Levine to playing, you know, 25, 30 minutes a night at point guard with Tyus Jones as the backup, I think that that is a, a contender for the seventh or eighth seed. Well, the thing about Rubio is, like, I don't think we're trying to say that he's, you know, not a good NBA player or not a productive NBA player. He's just, he's kind of one of those guys that you have to build your team around because of his deficiencies. And at, at this point, I just don't, like, he's such a bad shooter. What is he on the year? Like 38%, yeah. I think, from the floor. And at this point, you have two two guys that are clear-cut, you know, franchise pieces, I think, in my mind, ahead of Rubio. And I think with with those assets in tow, it's hard to to kind of frame your entire team around a guy who has such a unique skill set. Right, and he's he's a pretty good defender. Like I, I would almost say his his defense is as valuable probably at this point as his passing, just because it's it's hard to be a kind of game changing passer when everyone's just sagging off you you know right. i mean like you're you're not really drawing the defense away from other players at all so i just think when when i was watching that golden state game they were just on a complete roll when tyus was running point guard and shabazz muhammad was you know running down all these loose balls and they're out in transition with wiggins and shabazz and jones like that was really really fun to watch but then Rubio comes in and then they kind of that offense sort of bogs down in the half court because Golden State obviously playing way off of him although he did do a good job uh, guarding Steph Curry that game I just think that you know if you could get another you know a, a better backup big man or something for him or you know another wing guy so you think they have the point guard you know it's not it's not finding another point guard you think no. he's already on the roster no I think Levine and Jones is a very serviceable one-two at, at point guard for them. And I think that to maximize Levine long-term, you have to make him a point guard. And with Rubio on the roster, they've obviously shown kind of a unwillingness to make Rubio the backup to Levine. And they, they force Levine to play the two a lot, which I don't think is all that productive. I mean, it's a pretty good defensive backcourt, but on offense, I just think it's it's not – ideal and I think Tyus Jones should kind of be given a 20 minute a game role next year and I don't really see that happening with with Rubio still there so I mean that that's sort of my two cents on the the point guard situation I could see an argument for Rubio fitting with with the pieces especially if they add another shooter in the draft but uh you know we we've seen teams you know all the time I mean OKC is a good example but like LeBron's second year uh you know Anthony Davis's second year I mean there's a ton of examples where like game-changing talents like Carl Anthony Towns take their team to the the postseason in in year two and I kind of see that happening with Minnesota next year do you see Rubio as 
I don't I don't want to throw this comparison out there necessarily, but but here we go. It's like a Greg Monroe type of player in that not not necessarily like a good stats bad team guy, but more of a you know like I said, you have to you have to make sure you have all the right pieces around him for him to be. He's kind of a guy that I think has to run your team, right? I mean, he's a a ball dominant kind of point guard, a pass first point guard, and like you said, defensively. I think that helps him. It's it's rare to find that type of point guard who d's up. Um, but with as much as he's controlling the ball, I think he, not being a shooter, it, it just kind of it bogs down that offense in the half court. Yeah, I mean, I I just think he's. I mean, Greg Monroe's tough because it's he's a terrible defender yeah. too. I, yeah, that's I think the thing. It's, is that it's Rubio more, can it's more kind of like, uh, you know. Celtics like late Celtics era Rajon Rondo sure. where you know I does that Celtics team like the the Paul Pierce Kevin Garnett Ray Allen Celtics teams do they ever win a title if that's happening like right now the way defenses treat guys like Rondo where like like Golden State kind of the way that they treated Tony Allen last year sort of made him basically an obsolete player teams weren't willing to kind of just completely ignore guys back then the way they are now. And I feel like if you, you know, say if you're the, the bulls or the Cavs or whoever, and you just throw, I don't know, whoever their worst defender is on Rondo, plus you sag off and help. I wonder if that would have just completely sort of mm-hmm. messed with what Boston was able to do back then. And, Right, that's what I mean. Is like it's hard to have Rubio out there, and right. you know you're you're constantly kind of especially compensating you, for yeah, it. especially if you get into a playoff series. Right, like you can win. Like he's not going to totally sink you on a night to night basis in the NBA no, just no. because you don't have time to really exactly. put a crazy game plan together. But in a playoff series, like if he's playing twenty eight minutes a game, that's really going to kind of screw mm-hmm. you. It has helped though. You mentioned you know Wiggins has played a lot better since the break. Levine's been shooting it better. I mean to have these these guys who came into the season as somewhat non-shooters or you know kind of high volume low percentage shooters to have them improve I think around Rubio has helped a ton I mean you look at the splits for Wiggins it's pretty dramatic post all-star game 49 percent from the field that's up five points 24 percent from three before the break 43 percent from three after the break and that's on you know basically the same number of attempts so I think I think to me that's kind of the most stark contrast the rebounding numbers have been about the same he's averaging almost one more assist per game which I like, you know, also averaging close to a minute more per game. So you can kind of you know play with that as you like. But usage is down slightly since the break. But but like I said, I think that three-point shooting for him is absolutely huge. And I don't know if he's going to continue to be a 43% three-point shooter next year. Probably not. But if he can sit in the mid to high 30s, I think that opens things up, you know, massively for his potential. Right. And I think that, you know, he'd probably been hearing a lot, you know, in the first half, like, well, he can't shoot threes. You know, he probably has been consciously making sure that that is something that that he can bring to the table next year. I I still cringe at some of the like. There was a play in that Warriors game where Steph Curry kind of did. It was like sort of a fake and like under, and Wiggins is like right there and just gets completely fooled by it. And with his length and athleticism, like he should have altered that shot at, at the very least and he just kind of Steph just blew by him I mean that's obviously Steph Curry I mean he makes a lot of great defenders look kind of silly at times but uh Wiggins defensively to me is is kind of the big the big letdown this year but I mean if he can just be even a 
offense first guy who you know can make the occasional nice help defense play then they have the defenders around them I think especially in in towns and jang to kind of make up for that so kevin durant um still not really much of a story around this and nothing's really changed over the last what two years now i guess as we as it pertains to his free agency but kind of an odd story coming out of kendrick perkins camp uh on this thursday morning i'm not sure i don't know if anybody's quite sure exactly if he was joking or not um but but perkins said quote uh referring to durant he did shoot some teams out there that he made me sign a confidentiality form that I couldn't tell nobody. He's got a few teams that he'll be looking at, of course, relating to Durant being a free agent this offseason. Um, some reporters kind of ran with that, and you know, there was questions of, like, is that even legal? Can a player make someone sign a confidentiality agreement? Yeah. It turns out it, it, seems like, it seems like Perkins was joking about the confidentiality part, but, I mean, he did say Durant at least floated the idea out there that he's going to be looking at teams I don't think this comes as a major surprise. I mean, this is what he should be doing as a free agent. Um, but, I mean, to you, does it make it seem any less likely that he'll either re-sign with OKC or do the the kind of one-year OKC deal that seems to be the prevailing belief? Well, with the, first with the confidentiality thing, I mean, like, NBA players have been making, like, uh, groupies like sign yeah, oh, confidentiality well, agreements for years like the Dave now. Chappelle so, like, sex contract yeah basically. yeah so I mean like that I feel like most NBA players can can pull out like a confidentiality agreement like in within five minutes I'm pretty <laughs> they much just have them on like, them. The, like there's probably like an iPad like app that they can just draw it up and then have you sign like on the iPad like when you're when you're checking out at a at a hipster coffee place like uh but for for where Durant's gonna go next year uh i would still say okc is probably the favorite on a one-year deal but i kind of i kind of like the idea of him maybe testing the waters in portland i don't know how realistic that is but probably not very well like why, why what not? would be the connection they're a young team that's got a really good supporting cast that he would fit really well on I mean, I think ideally, as basketball, all he's got to be looking for, right, is like a the best place to win, right? Well, that's the thing. I mean, that's what I was just going to say is ideally, when players go into these situations, you'd like to think that what they want to do is win a title, but there's other factors, right? I mean, marketability, size of the city, nightlife. I don't think any of that's a factor. How is it not? That I mean, you have like a guy like why? Why are players not trying to sign an OKC with these guys? Then you know, I mean. Because it's have OKC. players turned down OKC for well, other, I mean, like it's not on the list of teams. free agency well, like destinations. The, Greg Monroe went to the Bucks when the Knicks and the Lakers wanted him last year. I mean, that's true, but it's Greg Monroe. Like the marketing thing wasn't. It's Kevin Durant. I, dude, I mean, this is a guy with like signature like, everything. That's, that's such like a. That's such a like old kind of wives' tale at this point. Yeah, the, the marketing thing, like, I guess, that, it's like LeBron's. By far the most marketable play, marketable like athlete in sports. He's played most of his years in Cleveland. Uh, yeah. Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant are easily top five like marketability guys. Okay, in Oklahoma okay, City. okay, like, okay, okay, okay. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Once you, I, well, I should say, I think it matters more for maybe a guy like Monroe. So I'm kind of backtracking on my own point because a guy like that, I think you know, if he's in for Milwaukee, for example, he's not getting endorsement deals. But if he's if he's the second best player with the Knicks, he's getting more endorsement deals than he is mm-hmm. as the best player with Milwaukee. 
not that he is the best player in Milwaukee. That's not the case. But I guess for when you're at Durant's level, I mean, you have your own shoe, you have your own clothing line, you have Nike, everything, whatever. Like, like it's not going to matter. I definitely like. I think that you know, if you're telling him, "Hey, you can go," you know, these are two exactly similar basketball situations. Like one's in Utah, one's in like New York City. He's probably going to choose New York City. But I think if he's choosing between you know a, a an a plus basketball situation in like portland or utah or okc versus like maybe a c or like a b minus situation in la or new york i still think he's going to go with the, the better basketball situation just because like what what good does it do him to be on a team that like gets like ekes out like 46 47 wins like that doesn't help him. That doesn't help his brand at all. You know, like yeah. he want, he needs to be on a team that's contending for titles. So okay, so let's look at the list. Like where, you know, we'll kind of throw salary cap out for now and just assume that teams would <laughs> that be able everyone to make would room. be able to clear. The, well, the, the yeah, either room. that or they would make room or find a way to do it. I mean, is the Golden State thing is by far the most intriguing, just from the storyline perspective. I don't want to see that. I want to see it just because, like, what happens? Like, it, it's either going to go extremely well or crash and burn, right? I just don't want this OKC team to be like, or the this Golden State team to be like altered. I just kind of want to see. No, I agree. It play out like for as long as it can, and just see like what kind of dynasty they can do. And I, I think that having Durant go there would kind of almost sort of cheapen like it would the success and people would people would not like that decision from durant's perspective it would right? just like, be so stu- like the amount of hot takes would just be you know really it would be the, it would really be basically gross. lebron teaming up with miami with wade in miami but i think it would be even more severe maybe it maybe not the backlash as far as burning jerseys and things like that but i think I think basketball fans would would hold it against Durant more than they would. I, I don't. I yeah. I just don't know. Like, I mean, you're, you're Golden State. Like, you still have like a a chance to finish with seventy three wins uh, without Durant. Like, I I don't want to see that. Like that that makes like Golden State is already super super interesting without Durant. Like, I want him to go to a team where I'm just like, whoa, like that that could be interesting. Like, right to me. Like I said, Portland's like on that list. Uh, Utah would be on that list. Uh, you know, Dallas. What about the Clippers? Well, I don't like the Clippers, so I don't want them to go there. But like, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't really see how that would work. With, I mean, cap wise, that definitely wouldn't work, right? With, with DeAndre. I mean, they would Griffin have to renounce Paul. somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that would basically be a sign and trade for Griffin. I feel like if he's talking to Perk, like maybe the Clippers are one of the teams he's talking to Perk about because, like, who else? Who does Perk like have some sort of insight on? Like, <laughs> yeah, well, Durant to New Orleans would actually be that would be yeah, that, would, that would be, be one a that very, I would be very interesting. <clears throat> I'd be down with that. Although if I'm him, I look at this New Orleans team and they were an awful team even when AD was healthy. Think like, of the food down there. <laughs> uh yeah, I mean every every NBA city except for maybe like Sacramento and Utah has like really good food, I'm sure. Um well, and uh you're playing the NBA? Uh but okay, so like Eastern Conference like Minnesota. I think I think he's got to be intrigued by the Celtics. Yep. I think he Let's back it up. Give me your top 3 in order that if you're Kevin Durant, these are the top 3 that you're considering, you know, taking into account city, roster, mm-hmm. basketball situation. 
coaching. Okay. So is Boston uh, number one? No. Um, I don't love that roster. I love the coach, but I don't really – you know, he's used to playing with Russell Westbrook. Like, to go from having Russell Westbrook be your best teammate to Isaiah Thomas be your best teammate, that to me that's quite, quite a drop. I think for me the three honestly would be uh, Portland number one, Utah number two, and Toronto number three. He's not three. going to Utah. Those are my top three. He's not going to Utah. I'm, those are my top three. You asked for my top three. If I'm Durant, those are the three. If you're Durant and you're just dying to, to head over to Salt Lake City? I want to play on that team. And I, I want guess. to play for Quinn Snyder. What about Toronto? I They were my third team. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. I, I just Once you said Utah, I think I just <laughs> yeah, stopped paying you, attention. You blacked out. No, Toronto would be very interesting. I think <laughs> yeah. that's kind of the dark horse to I'd, me, right? I'd love that because then you have – because it makes sense for the Eastern Conference aspect because then you're just basically guaranteed a, a two-seed or one-seed. Uh, that fits perfectly on their roster because then you have, you know, that he can play stretch four for them. He can play the three, and they can go with like a big lineup with DeRozan at the two. Can they afford him and DeRozan though? Because DeRozan's up this year. I don't know. We should know these know. things, but um, we we obviously. I think don't. they could. I think that they could make it. They would work. have to clear. A, they like I don't know though because with Damari Carroll, I think they'd have to either part ways with Carroll or DeRozan for that to work. Well, so you got Valanciunas. I think even if even if it cost you DeRozan and your Toronto, like totally you're still it. like say you just replaced DeRozan and KD, uh, they're like the best team in the East. Right? You're going to be a 55 win team with DeRozan. You're, right. What does that mean that you're with Durant? Yeah, I think of course you do. I mean, DeRozan they'd be better. They'd be the favorites to come out of the East over the Cavs, right? Depending on what happens this off season, yeah, I think so. So and like all NBA players, like like it's it's not even really a secret anymore. All NBA players like Toronto. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Toronto as a city has come a long way, I think, in the last ten years, and probably even the last five years, in the minds of free agents and the minds of just people around mm-hmm. the league. Like it's not it's not just a you know another northern Midwest city by now, any means. People have also brought up that like Miami could be a dark horse here, Chicago. Uh, I just yeah I don't, I don't know about the I don't basketball see him situation going to Chicago I don't see him leaving like a crappy from college head coach to go to another crappy from college head coach uh, I think like coach is going to matter to him teammates going to matter to him and then like you know organization like if if he sees like an organization is constantly like a winning winning organization constantly making the playoffs constantly making smart moves that's going to matter to him and then secondary I think will be the town uh yeah i mean the the food whatever do you do you think there's going to be a team out there that gets a meeting with him and basically says we'll give you the lebron treatment like you come here this is your team this is basically you know you got person you know maybe not major major personnel moves but it's like you know you got a guy you want we'll go out and get him you got a coach that you have in mind we'll go talk to him like do you think any team will give him that kind of control any yeah, I well, it just depends on like the team and the situation. Like what, like Portland's or like Boston's pitch isn't going to be like, hey, we'll clean house for you. Their pitch is going to be like, here, come. We have Brad Stevens. Like we have Terry Stotts. Like we like have overperformed what everyone thought we were going to do this year. We have these two young guards. Like if you're say the Rockets or the Pelicans, then yeah, you say 
yeah, pick pick whatever you want because we don't really have anything right tied down right now. We don't like coach isn't something that we're we're advertising as a selling point to you right now. So I think it just kind of matters what's already in place. I mean, I think uh, he's not going to go to a team that is so decimated in terms of talent that he needs to be in charge of bringing in like three or four more guys. You know, he's going to want to go to a team where he already knows a couple guys on the roster, likes is like playing with them in like all-star games or Olympic right. type stuff. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's not Le- the LeBron thing in Cleveland. is just kind of weird. I don't, I don't see the Durant thing going that. I don't route know if Durant where, wants that necessarily no, either. He's he doesn't... not LeBron's all about kind of like dictating stuff like that. I don't think Durant necessarily wants to be making those decisions. If he is, he hasn't been as public about right. it as LeBron. Um, but I don't know. To me, I think the Golden State thing is still the most intriguing, just because of what that what that means for his legacy. Like, kind of by default, I think it would somewhat tarnish Curry too, right? Like, it would whether Curry like is recruiting him there or not. Like, if Durant signs there, all of a sudden it's well, you know, and they win one or two more. It's like, among, well, would they have done it without Durant? Among idiots, it would. Yeah, I mean, like anyone who that would tarnish Curry's legacy in in their mind, I right. would immediately lose respect for but it, it for golden state like let's say they win it this year and you go into this offseason i just feel like if you bring in durant it has nowhere to go but down right yeah because like if you lose it then it if you go you know say you lose in the western finals the next year it's like well if you didn't have durant you know you wouldn't have to change your style of play everything would have been fine if you win it with durant then it's like oh well that just happened you know you added kevin durant good for you guys it's it's gonna be weird it would be really weird to watch, and I think that, that would it be. would it would kind of require. I want to say it would require them to get rid of Harrison Barnes, which isn't like it a would. big loss, but they'd have to get uh, rid of him or and or Iguodala. I just Azili. don't know. I think it would take away a little bit from what Golden State does in terms of sharing the ball, and I don't know what the result of that would be. It's not that Durant's not a willing passer by any means. No, but I just he's not. Um, there would be he's times not used to not like Curry's the only one on that team that has like the freedom to kind of create and like kind of you know freelance within the offense, and that's to me that 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 kind of works. I almost well, think, it, but if you have like multiple guys kind of doing that, then it just I think I think it would kind of screw up the, yes. uh, the flow of the offense. But. I think it could work if you know if everyone completely buys in, and I mean that's just such a well, big it would if, it was, would have to be Durant buying in. Yeah, like it, the rest of the guys are are going to be fine. I think it would help Curry almost. I mean, could you imagine? I mean, he'd be playing off the ball sometimes, not not primarily, of course, but you had Durant handling the ball, like you got. You, you know, if you can't help off Curry, you can't help off Thompson. You don't really want to help off Green. Like I, that would be an impossible would, team to defend. The, the guy who I think it would hurt the most in terms of perceived value would be Draymond. Yeah, because you're running a Durant Curry pick and roll instead of a Draymond Curry pick and roll, and Dur- Draymond's not a good enough shooter where you're just going to have him sit. In the well, corner. that's that's the thing. Like, do you have Durant in, in theory play the Harrison Barnes like spot up in the corner role? See, that's what I think would work best. Right, is if you had Durant be the the spot up guy in a lot of those situations but will he want to do that want to do that yeah right the reason it works so well for them now is like you have guys who are comfortable in those roles you know like harrison barnes knows he's not like kevin durant coming from a system where he's been the man for seven years to come into a system where he's like at times the third or fourth option i just don't i don't see how that would work now 
just one more team before we move on from this. Like, do you see, like, what? I don't think how, Milwaukee can get him. How like, how how likely of a scenario do you do you think it is that he goes to the Lakers with the uh, kind of confirmation that Westbrook's going to go there the following year? So in that scenario, they're they're literally just doing it because they want to live in L.A. Other than outside or you know not OKC, or they don't want to work with that organization. They want a fresh start. They are really burned by the way that this this playoff run goes. Sure. They, yeah, they want to live in L.A. They are. I mean, I think both of them already do live in L.A. Mm-hmm. Like in the off season, so I mean yep. that that makes it easier. They. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure they both, for that reason, they probably both would like to live in L.A. if if everything's equal and, you know, they can kind of, you know, I think L.A. is in a better position to kind of go do things they want them to do uh, in terms of bringing in certain players and bringing in a coach and that kind of thing. That's uh, a scenario where they could, Durant could handpick the coach. Right. He could handpick the coach, and he could handpick like one or two free agents, like that would yeah. not not max guys, obviously. Sure, but um, I I've heard that like floated, and I think it's interesting. I just don't know how willing Durant would be to sacrifice a year playing with a bunch of like rookies. Uh, you know, I, I feel like at that point it would just make more sense to re-sign with OKC for one year and then go there with Westbrook Do you think he's good enough, year. though, kind of to have that LeBron effect that he can he just automatically makes whatever team he's on a playoff team? I think that's that's think, reasonable. Look, yeah, I think they would make the playoffs, but they wouldn't be contenders at all. You know, I mean, they're not Durant plus D, D. Russell, Julius Randle, Jordan Clarkson isn't even uh, a Larry top— Nance. Isn't even like a top five seed in the, in the West. No, that's thing. true. So— well, I don't know though, is it? I mean, you look like Portland probably gets a little bit better, but in this scenario, OKC falls. I mean, I think the Jazz are a top five seed next year. The thirty nine and thirty nine Jazz that have cycled through Trey Burke and Shelvin Mack at point yeah. guard all season. And, if they get the right point guard, sure. And like Rodney Hood, his development throughout the year, and the fact that they how many games of favors did they miss? How many games like of Gobert did they miss? Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, I. I think the path is clear for them, assuming Memphis kind of finally takes a step back, Dallas the same way, unless they're able to land somebody big. Um, like This has to be the year next year that Dallas finally like doesn't stick around this 6-8 through eight range. I think they could be the 7th or 8th seed next year, but I mean, I would, take, I would take Durant on the Lakers over that Dallas team for sure. I think like Portland, Utah, and that, that mm-hmm. Lakers-Durant team would all be fairly interesting to me in terms of who gets the five seed okay but oh, and, and the thunder would obviously be down right because like, yeah, they I mean, lose durant then like the thing is like is westbrook and then maybe you go sign like a mid-tier free agent plus ibaka kind of maybe sliding back into a more major role like is that still a top yeah, 16 I, maybe i, I mean if you if you're okc and durant leaves do you immediately blow it up and do like try to trade westbrook like do you do hey lakers you already have Durant, here's Westbrook, give us D'Angelo Russell. Like I think that's the smart thing to do. I think as an organization that's a lot harder to do than it sounds, you know, to kind of just right. punt a season basically right in front of your, your fan base <laughs> after like, after maybe making a run to like the West Finals. Right. Uh, but it's the smart thing to do. I mean you gotta yeah. it's either that or what or Westbrook walks, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe you wait till the deadline and try to get something. 
That that. Imagine the team adding Russell Westbrook at the deadline. Like, the, who was the biggest deadline addition this year? Channing Fry, Tobias Harris. Yeah, I yeah. I don't know. Let's grab Russell Westbrook <laughs> for the stretch run. Uh, yeah, that'll be interesting. I wanted to talk Sam Hinkie, but I just this has been written about by seemingly everyone. I read a couple articles that sounded like eulogies. I he's not dead. He just resigned from his position. He's not. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not anti hinky I'm not pro hinky I, I just think some of the things I've read are talking about him like he's this basketball visionary, and nobody really seemed to be all that thrilled with what he was doing until now he steps down and and he's kind of viewed as like this basketball martyr i i don't i don't really understand it i guess i think it's an odd move with them being what is this year three now of of the process and basically pulling the plug on it and maybe doubling down on their mediocrity since the Allen iverson years so i think this is a bad move for philly i think you at least had to see see it through one more draft with, with these picks coming up you know that that hinky has I mean, I think he was, I think he was kind of forced out. Right? Yeah, like, I mean, so yeah. Uh, when you're, this is kind of, uh, you probably don't get this reference, but like Alex Anthopoulos stepped down from like the Blue Jays this off season when they brought in. Oh, I like thought a this guy, was going to be like a movie. Or something. Not, like <laughs> they brought in a guy like ahead of him, and it's like when you're a general manager and you've been making all the moves and like kind of doing things your way and building like a blueprint. And then you're kind of asked to stay on, but like with no real control to continue to do that, especially it's kind of patronizing, especially if you know that you're going to get like at least one pick in the top three and you don't get final say on who you're taking with that pick. Like after you've the whole, you've got like four years into this whole thing about kind of getting picks and then you get, you know, one of the highest picks you've ever gotten, and you don't get to make that call. Like, I could see that. I mean, you don't want to – I mean, he's he's going to get another job. Like, he can kind of work in another – he can have that role in another front office where you'd rather go to – I think you'd almost rather go to another front office where you don't get final say than stay with the guys that you've built and not get final say. Yeah, and it's such a drastic situation, too. This isn't your normal – and we've seen this situation play out, like you mentioned, in baseball and across other sports, too. I mean, it kind of reminds me a little bit of John Hammond, Jason Kidd dynamic in Milwaukee. Obviously, Hammond's still there, and they seem to be making that work. But power struggles at the GM position, and you know, oftentimes ownership gets involved and coaches get involved. It's, not, it's nothing new in the NBA, but with as radical as the direction the Sixers team decided to go with Hinky, and for how they stuck with it, you know, for two and just about three years— it just seems like an odd time to pull the plug, you know, and I don't know if they're if they're not happy with how the draft went, if they're not happy with mm-hmm. just how bad they've been. I mean, do you think maybe they just didn't quite realize like this is exactly the the picture that it sounds like Hinky painted when he pitched this whole, you know, trust the process idea. Do you think the ownership just didn't quite realize how big of a toll it would have on the team's reputation? Yeah, I I Yeah, I mean it's it's all just Come, kind of comes back to the same thing right like where you are driving this you're building this like puzzle and you're you're building this house and then you're kind of in the process of sort of figuring out where what rooms are going to go where and everything and then someone else comes in and they're like all right we're, we're doing it from here so i i don't know i it's it's just kind of weird that it's weird that philly <laughs> 
I don't, I don't know. They're kind of building this sort of conglomerate of minds. Yeah. And they want like five. D'Antoni. They want like a room of like five guys like all sitting around and like coming to consensus on deals. Like I don't, I don't think that's really how it should work. Like I think that you want kind of one head sort of steering everything. I agree. Taking, taking like input, but like with complete like veto power. And I, maybe Colangelo is the guy with that complete veto power, but. I, I don't know. It's it's kind of weird, and you know I think Philly is still. What is the plan now? That's what I want to know. Like what what is the new plan? Go back to like normal team operations and just try to win. Well, they, I, just, I don't get it. Like where do you go from here? Like you're, you're just going to be in the same spot. I mean, they're going to trade. They got to at least they're going to trade like one of those guys, right? Like one of the Netherlands, Jaleel, yeah, Saric. Like somebody's going to get dealt. And I think they keep Sarich. Embiid at this point, like what? Who's going to step up and give you what you want? No, for Embiid? you're stuck with Embiid. The, but like that's still not the worst thing. I feel like no. wait it out with Embiid. Like you're not paying him a ton of money. I thought like Kinky on Zach Lowe's podcast was totally right. Like he's either going to be good or he's going to be nothing. Like, right. There's no real in between. So and that's when that's what he basically alluded to is like yeah you know we looked at other guys at that spot and it was like. There were some guys we thought would be good NBA players, but that's not really the point of what we're doing. You know, they're trying to find franchise pieces. Yeah, I. They, it, I mean, it all comes down to where they pick in that draft, right? Like, yeah. Well, think about it. they missed on Wiggins, they missed on Towns. Like, the process has worked from a losses perspective and like a accumulating assets perspective. But they did like literally the lottery has just kind of betrayed them as far as where they've ended up. Yeah, they, they. I mean, they've gotten kind of screwed. Right. Um, I mean, one of the pieces I read last night said if, if this team has Carl Towns right now, Hinky doesn't lose his job, right? No, but that would just be a really weird team. I mean, well, right, but I mean, like, it, it, they yeah. draft Towns instead of Okafor. He's having this. He's having the same year he's having in Minnesota. Really, like, kind of any of those. Like, if instead of taking the guy they took, they take the best guy from that draft class, yeah. like then you're you're fine i think maybe if there's one thing you can criticize and i guess there are probably a lot of things you can criticize about hinky but if there's one thing you can point to it's that he hasn't drafted all that well for having all these picks they really don't have anything they don't have one like a plus or even like a a minus asset right now that you look to as saying like all right this was worth it i think maybe that's the issue and i think it uh, one of the big problems is like they never targeted players that could be like sneaky really good or like over overperform what was imagined to be like a rel- relatively uh kind of minor ceiling like they always just tried to hit home runs right. with like Noel and 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 Bede and Okafor like those are all just kind of like big swings and you're hoping to like get a superstar out of them whereas you know some of the players that go after all those guys like I'm not saying they should have Porzingis uh, yeah I mean like well yeah the, like Porzingis would have made sense there too as in terms of a home run and they opted not to do that but there's a lot of good players that went kind of in the 5 to 12 range of those drafts that they didn't even really probably consider because they were looking for superstars mm-hmm. and you know lo- look at like the Blazers they've got two you know franchise pieces in McCollum and Lillard and they got them 
when they took him in the draft, like they weren't even considered like potential. Where, where did Lillard go? Pieces. Like six, seven? Six. McCollum went like McCollum ten, went, like ten or twelve or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the the Blazers to to kind of finish up our KD talk too. I guess if you're looking for a sound organization and, that or, makes decisions or, well, yeah, or the Jazz where they got Hayward and where they got uh, oh, Gobert. I mean, those are like Durant will go to Utah if they if he can move the team. Like if it's contingent on <laughs> we'll move we'll move to like San Jose or something. I mean, I just I don't know. Like I look. I don't think it's gonna happen, but I'm not. I'm not ruling it out either. They're just they're too valuable. They're too talented. Like that lineup is just so stacked. Like it is. If, if Durant goes, oh, if Durant it would, I mean, Durant lineup, going there would be like they are already like just oozing with talent. Do you like, think he's gonna look at this as the same frame as a lot of the league seems to look at it, where it's where can I go to beat Golden State? Not where can I go to be the best team necessarily. It's like, where can I go and scheme around this Golden State team to beat them? I feel like that's what Cleveland's well, doing. I feel like that's gonna, what the Spurs are if doing. If you're going to do that, then it's it's Utah or Minnesota, right? Minnesota, I question just because I don't know if they're quite ready. You know, like that's the place where he goes and they're not, they don't contend for a title right away. Maybe in two or three years for but sure, like, but not right away. Or do they? I, I mean, I don't know. Like, Can you Towns, win a title with with a second year center like as your Durant best player? Durant and Towns, second best player. Like that's insane. Like, and Wiggins. Like, all of a sudden, Wiggins just Wiggins, becomes this like really good in third his, option. In his rightful oh. role as a third option. Like that, what a team that would be insane. And like the, the that assumes that LeBron doesn't opt out and go to Levine Minnesota. And Muhammad and and Jeng. Like that's that oh, would be, Adrian Payne. They would need to get like an actual coach in there. That's for sure. <laughs> Sam Mitchell, by the way, I have not watched a lot of Timberwolves, uh, believe it or not, and I don't think many people have, like, this game the other night, and I was actually a little upset because I was trying to watch the, the season finale of the OJ show, mm-hmm. and I'm, ju- I'm pulling it up online, just no, about to no, watch it. No spoilers. No, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I will say they did They did an awesome, awesome job of keeping it suspenseful. It's like, you literally know what's happening almost yeah. every step. I mean, for somebody who basically was not coherent when that real thing was going on, like, I didn't know a lot of the... Like, I didn't know who Mark Furman was, stuff like that. But, like, obviously I knew the verdict, but it still was very suspenseful. But I digress. Anyway, I wanted to watch that. And then this game goes into overtime, and all of a sudden I'm up watching OJ until, like, 145. But Sam Mitchell berated the referees more than any coach I have ever, ever seen. Well, like, there were not even that questionable calls. Like, he's... The overturned charge was... I would have... Like, any coach berates he, the officials. Oh, sure. One. He was berating the officials well before that, well yeah. after that, even on calls that were, like, benefiting his team. He just constantly in the he, officials' ear. He really wanted that win. He wanted that win more than, like, all of his players yeah. combined and he, he go it, when the post-game handshake line, it goes up to Kerr and gives him the, the Jordan shrug, basically. It's like... Hey, we did it. After all that like berating and he was so into it and then he just acts like, Well, I guess we got it done. I don't know. I don't know what I would expect the reaction to be, but I was just like he, I didn't know he was that into the officials on top of being a terrible coach. Yeah. I mean, he's not as bad as like Rambus or Byron Scott. So has he moved out of that tier? Like Rambus coming in has kind of like re. It's kind of like been a shock. Rambus is in his own tier. Rambus who's possibly going to be getting renewed. Rambus who like has been playing Sasha Vujicic over Aaron Aflalo. Has anyone considered that maybe <laughs> Phil Jackson is being paid by the Lakers or the I don't know anyone else Dude, to just go in and ruin the? I Knicks? honestly think Phil Jackson is just a complete idiot. Like I, I think like he is really he good this... at like certain aspects of like managing like egos like 
when it comes to like managing players. I think he was like, whoever good thought at he that. would be good at player personnel, like, but he has just no clue what he's doing. And I think he's at a point with the coach where he wants, like, he doesn't want to go hire like a guy that has like a established reputation already. He wants to hire a guy where people will be like, man, that was a genius hire by Phil. Like Phil really got that. His guy lasting to become, legacy like, a will good be coach. Like, hiring Kurt Rambis like, and signing him to a six-year deal. Oh man, that like I honestly think that they should, if they if they like do that with with Rambus and like kind of hand him the keys, like they're back to sort of where they were before if they, they even brought Ed Phil. If Rambus is the coach, does Mello just get get the hell out of there? Does Porzingis just head back to wherever he's from? <laughs> uh, I mean, Porzingis isn't. I like I actually Porzingis. I think is too young to know any better and he he kind of still <laughs> embraces, take advantage of his naivety he still embraces the idea of like bringing a title to new york but Mello would probably have to wave his no trade at that point and and get out that would be the final straw yeah all right we'll close real quickly grayson allen and thomas bryant two guys uh who are maybe at best late lottery picks probably late mid to late first mm-hmm. rounders grayson allen's coming back to duke not too surprising there, but Thomas Bryant coming back to Indiana. To me, that was a little bit of a surprise. Um, I mean, this Indiana team should be pretty good next year, even though they lose Yogi Ferrell. But I think this is somebody who – Thomas Bryant totally seems to me like that guy who would put up great measurements at the Combine, look really good in individual workouts, and be kind of a late riser in the draft. Yeah, he uh, – like some team would fall in love with him for right. sure. In the – you know, probably one of those smarter teams in the back half of the first round. So – I don't really know why he's going back. Like to me, it's not a decision. To me, if you're especially if you're Thomas Bryan and like you're at Indiana, you know what? What type of fun are you gonna have this upcoming year at Indiana that you didn't already kind of exhaust the past year? And don't you want to start getting checks? And what if wow. you? What if like you get hurt and go to the second round? Or he just really likes school. I I don't really get it. Uh, but I, I mean, the Grayson Allen thing I get. I before we started recording, I kind of compared it to Matt Leinart at USC. Like his life is probably never going to get better than it is right now at Duke. Like even when he's in the NBA, like it's just not going to be. You know, people are going to hate him. Like his teammates might not like him. Like his coach might not <laughs> like him. He could. You know? He's one of those guys that could go in the wrong situation and be out of the league in two years. Yeah, or I mean, be in the right situation and be a good NBA player, but I think there's it's very volatile with him. Yeah, and I think he he he'd like to win another title. I mean, Duke's the clear number one team heading into next year, and you know if he can establish some sort of legacy at Duke where he wins like multiple national titles, like you said, like his stock, his NBA draft stock is kind of it is what it is. Like it's not changing like between now and like even if he stays for all four years like he's the same player that he's that he's gonna be like he if you like him you like him if you don't like him then you're just not gonna take him and he's gonna go like in the 20s pretty much regardless yeah it's hard to see him like his draft stock especially and you know whether whether he improves i guess overall as a player or not it's hard to see his draft stock really plummeting at this point Mm -hmm. or skyrocketing my question is i'm trying to bring up the recruiting rankings and they're not loading um, but Duke has, you know, a top three class coming in, uh, depending on who you ask the top player in the country and, and Jason Tatum, I think scout has him down in like at three or four, but I think ESPN has him at number one, Harry Giles, also, uh, a, a top three guy. 
Um, I just wonder, like, is there any, is there any kind of like threat here to either Allen like losing out on some minutes to these stud freshmen, or these stud freshmen losing out on minutes because Grayson Allen stays? Uh, the stud freshmen could lose out on minutes, not because of Grayson Allen, but just because of Duke's depth already. I mean, they have Kennard and Emil Jefferson coming back, and Thornton. Thornton and uh, Jones. See back. They have. I think they have Jones coming back, and they have Jeter. Like that. They, they. He barely they, played last season. Yeah, they've got a lot of guys. So like, if if one of these freshmen comes in and isn't ready, you know, we don't usually see this at Duke, but it could be kind of a Kansas situation where they might be national title good with one of those guys playing just like fifteen minutes a game. So, uh, in that sense, maybe it. it I mean. Yeah, I, I they basically know. lose Ingram and Plumlee, and that's it. Yeah. Allen's back, Kennard's back, Jones back, Thornton's back, Jefferson's back, Jeter's back, and then they get it's, Giles, it's Tatum. It's kind of a ridiculous team. It is. They're going to be they're going to be stacked. I mean, they're basically going to be Kentucky, but with most of their best players back. In addition to this insane recruiting class, they might. It might be kind of like Kentucky two years ago. Like, you know, they might they might run the table. Honestly, like no, this, this is going to be. Ridiculously, good. I mean, Kentucky's going to be really good next year. Villanova's going to be good. Kansas should still be good, but mm. this is yeah. This Duke team actually does have you know run the table type of potential. Um, anything else you want to touch on, or should we wrap this up? I'm good. All right, skip. We'll skip movie trivia again. I still got to kind of build my base up. I almost watched a movie the other night, but but instead I went with the True Detective season finale. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.